When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How I wish, how I wish you were here. Welcome back. Episode 11. Episode 11 of the Highly Unapologetic Podcast. Uh, Jason's not here. Steven's not here. Uh, because, uh, this is going to be a special edition of, uh, the episode or the, the podcast, uh, this week. This is going to be the second episode actually that we've shot, uh, in regards to the Father's Day episode. And, uh, I have actually, uh, actually sat down the other day, uh, and tried to do this, uh, episode by myself, uh, with the intentions of giving, uh, my dad all the attention. Uh, and when I sat down, uh, to record this episode, uh, by myself, I couldn't do it. Uh, I hit record and stop three or four different times and, and just gave up. And so that night, uh, once I had finally given up, uh, I decided to, uh, not entirely scratch the idea of an episode specifically for my dad, but to modify it a little bit. And now uh, for those of you watching, 
Uh, I know now that you can already tell that we have called in uh, a special guest to the show. And uh, this is my sister, Amy, and we... Uh, Hello. And we're actually uh, excited that she could come on such short notice. Uh, I didn't think that she would uh, mind coming uh, to do this episode. So uh, hopefully by now everyone has gone in to check out episode 10, uh, the Father's Day episode with the guys. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and, and dive right in uh, to this episode uh, to celebrate uh, pretty much the life of my dad. Uh, and anybody who knows my dad knows that he is, is definitely worthy of the celebration. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So most of y'all know, uh, earlier this year, uh, dad, uh, he finally, uh, succumbed to the fight with man, many, his multiple health issues. Many, yeah, many uh, health issues, uh, mainly uh, heart related. Heart related, yeah, definitely heart related. And uh, he was kind of a he was kind of a medical phenomenon. If it was uh, <laughs> rare, if it was hard to get, it found my dad, and. Uh, yeah. He was kind of, he was kind of unique. He was like the bionic man. Yeah. He was kind of, <laughs> he was kind of unique in that aspect. You know, he had to, he had to make it difficult. But, uh, anyways, nonetheless, we're here. We're going to talk about Don Walker and maybe not so much Don Walker, just the dad, but, uh, the person, the human being. Yeah. And, uh, there is, uh, a lot to say. Uh, about my dad. My dad was a lot of things. And to think of anything negative to say is almost, uh, impossible. Uh, my dad was, was just, uh, overall a great human being. He was a great father. He was a great, uh, husband to my mother. He was definitely a great popo to Riley. And, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy being a a dad now to my crazy kid. Most of y'all know Riley and, uh, we try to, uh, emulate my dad in his, uh, parenting style. Uh, you know, I try to, you know, every day, every day parenting style, I try to, you know, take from from how my dad was when we grew up. And uh, I've mentioned it before. I think it was the Mother's Day episode that for me personally, when I got in trouble, it was mom that I wanted to deal with because it was mom was going to spank. Mom was going <laughs> to, she was going to inflict the pain. <laughs> she was going to yell a little bit and then it was over with. But with dad, yeah, you were going to get the spanking. It was psychological punishment. But it was. You were going to get the spanking for sure, but you were going to sit down and have a little conversation about what you just did, why you did it, and he was going to make sure you understood why what you did was wrong, and he was going to make you feel bad about it. And, yeah, and, for sure. And uh, I don't know if it was that way uh, 
as far as my brother and my other sister go. But uh, for Amy and I, it was it was always the the talk afterwards that I wanted to avoid, but I wasn't real good at avoiding it because I stayed in trouble. <laughs> Although I would, I rather I prefer dad spankings over mother. Oh yeah, yeah, mom. <laughs> dad spankings were just to get your attention. Mom, for a second. <laughs> mom went in with an intent. There was an intent to. <laughs> Mom was angry. (laughs) To inflict a little punishment. And, uh, but like I said, it was over. Once it was over, it was over. Yeah. He never dwelt on it or threw it in our face. But, uh, yeah, it goes without saying that, that there's, there's not another, uh, human being, uh, another man on this earth that could have, uh, fathered four specific kids so perfectly. Uh, yeah. and I don't, I don't think he would agree that he was a perfect father. None of us are, but he tried. And it's all about effort. Oh yeah. <laughs> and my favorite thing about him was he was the sports dad. Super fun when it came to that stuff. He was the sports dad. He coached the baseball. He coached football up until it got into the organized middle school and, and, uh, high school. He coached baseball up until, you know, we didn't, we didn't play anymore. And, uh, and that was my favorite thing, like being able to, uh, play little league and just have that, have that time with him out there doing something that I loved and, and, you know, something that he obviously loved as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I wish, you know, I wish he could have, could have taken it into uh, the organized school sports, the middle school, the high school. Because once I got it at Churchill, I couldn't stand any of those coaches. <laughs> you know, there was two or three that I, yeah. you know, that I liked, uh, and and that will, you know, that'll always kind of carry a special place in my heart. But you know, for the most part, the coaches at at, at Churchill, I just I, I couldn't stand. I didn't I didn't enjoy varsity football. Yeah. Uh, junior and, and senior year because, I mean, just for a multitude of reasons, but, uh, yeah, like I said, I wish, I wish he could have, have carried that, carried that over to, uh, the organized sports in high school. But my dad was a preacher, uh, and, uh, he was probably a much better preacher than he would have been coach. So. Yeah, cause he did kind of like, he was kind of tough when he, it came to the criticism and the reactions if we messed up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's to be expected, I guess. You know, you, you know, he was, he self-proclaimed was one of the greatest ever. And so. <laughs> well, and that's how he supported us. It's like everybody, he supported each one of his kids like we were the best and nobody was better than us. Right. And, and so he it, talked about us and bragged about us. And, and so he expected you to perform. Yeah. Cause and don't, he, and he don't didn't make me look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me look dumb out there. But nah, he was, he was, uh, definitely hard, uh, on the field, but it was only to get you better. Yeah. And, I uh, I, I just, you know, he was, he was super encouraging in that field too. But, uh, you know, Don Walker, the human being, like I said, he was a lot of things. He was a, he was a husband first. He loved, he loved mama. Yeah, he did. And, uh, 
that was uh, more evident, um, I guess, the last eight months that he was in the hospital. Uh, And my mom, of course, she loved him back. She was at the hospital every every day. You know, I've you know I've said before. You know, you can probably count the days that she missed going to the hospital to sit with him on like one hand, on one hand, and half fingers left over. Yeah, uh, she did miss, and she didn't do anything. She just went up there and sat. Yeah, talked to my dad. You know, talked yeah. to doctors, and well, that's where she wanted to be. Oh yeah, too. she wouldn't have wanted to. Yeah, be there wasn't. Else. You know, and and it was it was crazy. Uh, and, and the love the two had for each other was, uh, you know, put on the forefront for me, uh, after his funeral service. Uh, I had a friend, uh, attend the funeral service who had never met dad, uh, who had never met mom. And, uh, she went, she hung out a little bit afterwards and she met mom at the, at the lunch afterwards. And when she got home, she texted me uh, after listening to uh, BJ and Kenny uh, speak at the funeral and do such an awesome job. Uh, she texted me and said, man, I cannot wait to find a love with somebody as much as Don Love Jackie. Yeah. And uh, that was nuts. That was That was crazy to me. You know, because she had never met him. But listening to two men speak, you know, you can you can get that. And so uh definitely a uh loving father or loving husband, I should say. And we said earlier uh a, a popo or grandpa to all of his grandkids. And the hardest thing that I had to do was go pick up Riley and give him the news. Yeah. That made, you know, it was a a real bad, I guess, month, you know, at the, toward the end. And once he finally passed and, uh, picking up Riley from New Braunfels the day he passed. And, you know, his first words every time he got in the car, when I would pick him up, I'd get off work, go pick him up. His, his always, how's Popo doing? And it was the same, uh, it was the same, uh, that night when he got in the car. How's Popo? Yeah. Well, do your seatbelt and uh, get comfortable. And then you had to break some some bad news. Yeah. But the good thing about it was, I think, over the past, um, it's been, what, almost five months now? I think it's kind of brought four siblings closer together a little bit. I think I saw more of you and Kelsey and Josh in those three or four weeks than I have in a few years. You know, we see each other at holidays and speak here and there. But, you know, I think I saw over the past few months after that happened, the, uh, 
the time that we actually spent together and talked was, was a whole lot more. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing. But my dad was, you know, thinking about it actually the other day, going through some things at work. My dad was, was probably the kindest, biggest hearted guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about that on the way over here. Uh, yeah, biggest, biggest heart, kindest, gentlest, uh, and not just to his kids, to everybody, to everybody, his students, people that he just met, his coworkers, his, his friends, his nurses at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he gave them his little crotchety old man attitude here and there, but he cared about them. But he would apologize right after. Yeah. <laughs> but uh he was the type to uh you you've heard the old saying uh he'd give you the shirt off his back. Yeah. And that was him. Uh yeah. he'd give you the shirt off his back. He would go and find you a second shirt <laughs> before he would you know replace his shirt. Mm-hmm. You know. He was going to make sure you were taken care of before before he uh he took care of himself, and that's you know that's definitely uh, something that you know every day I try to I try to emulate uh, as far as that goes. Like I've got uh, a lot of my dad in me. I've got a lot of mom in me. I think I get my sarcasm, my quick sarcastic wit is definitely uh, from mom. My mean streak is definitely from mom. <laughs> she's gonna be so mad when she hears this don't care it's father's day <laughs> dad was like just super fun i just always remember daddy being like super fun always playing games with us always wanting to like be involved in like what we were doing right you know like whether it was like playing kickball outside there's a lot of like memories of when we were like would go to camp you know, he'd want to be part of the prank wars. He he'd was want, the prank wars. I know. It was his idea. He'd want to be part of the water wars. <laughs> he'd want to be the one, you know, like, he just was fun. He just was fun. And Involved. They said at his funeral, he was, his spirit was like just a big kid. Like, yeah. so it wasn't even a question of. He just blended in with all the kids. Right. It's like, he's just super fun. And there wasn't a kid at camp growing up, I don't think, that didn't enjoy being around him. Yeah. The girls love being around him. He's a cool cat. He was, <laughs> he was, a, <laughs> he was a big... He was a cool cat, and he knew he was. Oh, yeah, he knew he was, and that was... But at the same time, he was super humble. Yeah. But he knew he had, like, he was cool. <laughs> yeah. He was. He was... uh he was pretty funky, and uh, I think that's another another trait that I appreciate most that I inherited from him is his kind of his funky side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, more more in regards to his uh, his music tastes. I got a lot of my music taste from from my dad. Josh, not so much. Josh was more of like a thrasher. <laughs> Josh made me mad because he did the. Uh, reminiscing episode on his podcast and he talked down on Pink Floyd. They went to Dayton to work on uh Nelson's house or something. He said, man, my dad had two tapes. 
<laughs> one of them was Pink Floyd. And he said, I mean, we played that, we played that Pink Floyd, uh, cassette tape there and back multiple times. I said, I hate Pink Floyd. Well, I love Pink Floyd and I love Pink Floyd because of my dad. And I remember Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin because he would put a cassette in, in the van on the way to church camp. And it it didn't matter how many people were in that van. Didn't gonna blast it. Didn't like that music. weren't into Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. I don't care. I'm driving. I'm in charge of the radio. Enjoy this Led Zeppelin. He's blasting it, and he's playing drums with his thumb on the steering wheel, singing every word. And that's where I get my funky side from. <laughs> My music tastes. Now, one thing I will say, I'm glad I did not pick up the, the Black Oak, Arkansas music taste from him. That trash is, I, I don't know what it was, but I guess, I guess he went to a concert. He went to a Black Oak, Arkansas concert. And it's kind of like, if you go to a concert, you kind of appreciate the music more. So I'm hoping he went to that concert. Like, not really a fan, and then came out like, okay, cool, you know, whatever. But uh, the funniest thing about that that horrible, horrible music was the way he would make mom mad. It was Black Oak, Arkansas. It was uh, ACDC. And I don't know if mom doesn't like ACDC. She probably doesn't. And Rush. Mom likes Journey. Mom, yeah. Dad wasn't a huge Journey fan. Dad didn't like Journey. But. I think mom liked Boston too. But you could talk to anybody who went on a road trip with him. Steve Lloyd, for example. Adam, we drove. I can't remember where they were. And they might have been in Fruitvale or they may have driven to Memphis or whatever. And he said, we made playlists for each other. And I was excited when it was my turn to turn on the music because your dad. Had some, had some interesting music. Or when mom and dad got home from a road trip, mom would, you know, you see mom for the first time. I'm just glad to be out of the car with him and that music. And he, <laughs> he definitely didn't care. He was going to listen to no, music. Yeah, absolutely. Mom can put her headphones in. I'm, I'm listening to this, but you know, as, as I get older, I'm finding that I am more and more. You're, my dad, yeah. you know, and, you look just like him. You I'm, act like him, and and I'm paying attention to it and, and thinking on it now. Uh, growing up is oh man, you sound so much like your dad. You look so much like your dad, and you're just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. But now, you know, you have to think. You have to sit back and think about it. I was like, man, thanks, thank you. You know, it's kind of the the highest compliment anyone could could pay me personally. You sound like your dad. You look like your dad. You act like your dad. I think I was. I think when we were at the hospital, uh, it was either the day before or the day that he died, and I was in a bad mood, and and uh, we were standing at the nurses' station, and something happened, and I'd made a comment, just a snarky. And it was around his nurses, you know, the nurses that knew him, mm-hmm. 
and mom said something along the lines of, uh, let me introduce you to Don 2.0 here, you know, and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, thank you. And, uh, went about it, went about my crotchety mood and, uh, <laughs> you know, didn't, didn't phase me at all. And I knew it was true because I watched dad a couple of times get onto, get onto those nurses. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but it's those nurses that, those nurses and Nixon, you know, that you, you kind of appreciate the most, you know, who aren't family. Yeah. Because they did work so hard. Uh, they did, they did keep them alive. I told Nixon at the, at the hospital, I think, you know, I have him to thank the most for keeping him alive this long. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was so much. He did get him super strong. Super strong. Uh, I don't think with Nixon, he would have lasted till, till January. But, uh, you know, those, those nurses and, and Nixon and, and doctors definitely, uh, deserve, you know, many, many thank yous that, you know, too many to, to even start going through. But, you know, you thank them, you thank them anyway for doing the, the hard work and, and doing their best. And it, it really killed me. When Hosline came in, uh, after we decided to take him off life support and he's, he's yelling real loud. <laughs> and it was, uh, sorry, we failed you. Yeah. You know, and I just kind of, kind of lost it right there. And, uh, you know, that was, that was super hard to, to listen to. Sorry, we failed you. It wasn't for a lack of trying. We definitely tried our best. But we but yeah, but we mm-hmm. but we failed you, and then you know, I mean, there's there were hits, you know, all day that day, you know, uh, Hossline doing that, and uh, anybody who knows my dad's friendship with Clay, Clay, anytime Clay called, what's up, Chief? Hey, Chief, see you, Chief, and uh. We uh, were waiting for the funeral home to come and uh, pick up Daddy and take him to the funeral home. And uh, Clay was in there paying, you know, kind of his his last respects there, talking to him. You know, Josh and I are just kind of off to the side, you know, listening, watching, whatever. And he pats Dad on the leg. He says, I'll see you later, Chief, and walks out. And... I think that was harder than listening to Hosline, you know, apologize for failure. Um, yeah, it was hard that day. It just, but, know, but, but a couple of days later, you have a service for him and 400 people show up. Uh, thousands watch on the Facebook stream. And you kind of get an idea of the respect. And the impact he had on other people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. The respect people had for him and the way you, the way he touched, you know, everyone he came in contact with. And He's just a great guy. He's oh, always jolly. Always ready to help. Always positive. I don't know about that. He was, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't, like, always, like, super, like, happy, 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 but he was always positive about things. Right. Because he knew who was standing behind him. Yeah. 
So, uh, oh, like I said, he was always ready to help, and and it wasn't just his kids, and it wasn't always something like monetary or whatever. It may have been just a a real quick word of advice. His advice was the best, actually. And uh, it was so, well, and sometimes it would it, it stung. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna uh, beat around the bush. He wasn't gonna sugarcoat anything. If you were in the wrong, he was gonna let you know. Uh, he, um, you know, multiple times. I mean, even from when I was a kid till. Uh, you know, for 36, almost 37 years, if you messed up, you messed up, and he's going to let you know. He's going to make you feel bad about it. That was his style, make you feel bad. Uh, but he did it in the most loving way because he wanted you to, to get it back on track. I don't think he made us feel bad on purpose, though. I think just from the fact how he was how he was and the type of person and the type of man he was we had so much respect for him yeah so when we did mess up we felt bad because, because we of disappointed our him stuff, yeah you know? no yeah yeah i'm not saying he was he was out trying to make people feel bad but <laughs> he's like guilt trip he was making all around. <laughs> <laughs> you get a guilt trip you get a guilt trip you get a guilt trip that's jackie oh uh, yeah that's jackie's style. after after she gives you the sarcasm and, and the beat down, <laughs> you get a triple package with her. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, that, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily saying he was just out, you know, making people feel bad. But you know, his style was to make you think, you know, about you know your actions and and how they're wrong. And I mean, it made me feel bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I can't. You shouldn't have messed up. All I, the time. Yeah. Well, you're right. All the time. Well, I mean, you're in trouble a lot. I was, I was, and then, you know, still today. And then that's, <laughs> and that's, and honestly, Dan, and to be honest, like, that's one thing that I miss right now. You know, I'm, you know, going through some things at work. Um, some things aren't going my way. And who do I call? To make you feel bad <laughs> about well, your decision? Not even to make me feel bad, but to, to offer, you know, the advice. You know, he's, I know he's going to take my side through most everything. Call mama. Mama's on your side just like he is. But I, I feel like mama's ready to come down and fight. My son told me you said this and that. <laughs> oh, she would. And she's ready to talk to know. HR any <laughs> time of the day. But, uh, <laughs> Dad, yeah, that's that's the that's the thing I miss the most right now, like being able to call dad and yeah. and uh, how's work going? Well, you know, I didn't always, I didn't ever have to come out and say, you know, work sucks. He was gonna ask. That was one of the first things he'd always ask. Yeah, how's work going? How are those kids? Oh, yeah. you know, whatever. But you know, you can't you can't replace that. Yeah, you know, there's 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 men out there, you know that that we know. I'm sure I could call Ken Hope. Well, they're equivalent, but it's just not the same. I'm sure I could call BJ. Oh, yeah, for sure. But the impact of, you know, what they might say 
And they could probably say the exact same thing Dad did. It's just not going to hit. It's just not going to hit the same. <laughs> Sorry, you know? guys. No, just I mean, that's just. <laughs> I mean that's just that's that's just how it is. I mean that's, yeah, that's it definitely isn't the same at all, but you know when you have a dad that's so involved, you know, that's that's who you want. And I think it's a psychological thing. You don't you don't want to hear the fatherly things from anybody else but your dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think I think that's what, what takes away the impact if you know you were to call a Ken or a BJ who we, and I'm speaking in regards to, you know, you, Kelsey, and Josh as well, who we love so much, you know, and, uh, you, you just, it's, it's a psychological thing for sure. But, uh, you got any like memories with dad that just kind of stick out that you'll, you'll never forget? I mean, yeah. I was thinking about this last night and I got kind of worried because I couldn't like pinpoint exact memories like from when we were younger. I mean, I always remember like in Stephenville coming home from kindergarten or whatever. I was in pre-K and uh, we'd always like he'd come pick me up and we'd always just go back to the house and watch TV and take a nap and eat peanut butter sandwiches. Peanut butter. Just peanut butter? Well, I put, <laughs> he put jelly on his. I put some other stuff on mine. Mustard. <laughs> yes. That's so gross. <laughs> you probably still do that today. I have not because I cannot stand peanut butter anymore. Oh, that's weird. After I had Mac, I was like, I can't stand that. So, I got one when I was a senior in high school. Okay. We... Uh, Reagan opened up and Kincaid took his coaching staff over to Reagan. Yeah. And we got the idiot coaches from Gustafson, Gustafson, Salmon, idiots. Yeah. They got rid of, they got rid of my favorite coach, Coach Meyer. Rest in peace, Coach Meyer. Oh, he did pass away. It's been a little over a year, but, uh, they got rid of him. They got rid of Coach Walker. I got rid of Coach. Actually, they offered Coach Lawrence, but I think Coach Lawrence went to Reagan on his own. But I couldn't stand these coaches because I played quarterback up through my junior year, and then they put me on defense. <laughs> I didn't want to play defense. I'm a quarterback. If you're going to do anything to me, put me a wide receiver. Give me the ball. I need the ball. I don't need to be making tackles. I don't want to make tackles. You're the. I was the. Give you the attention. I don't. No, it's not even that. It's I don't want to. I don't want to hit anybody. I don't. Aww, I don't. So cute. Not even that. It's just more. I don't want to get hurt. Or a red jersey during practice, and <laughs> you people weren't football. Like, and, how could you not expect to get hurt? But I was a quarterback, and so I wore a red jersey during practice, and I wasn't allowed to be. You weren't allowed to touch me. Quarterbacks are not untouchable. Yeah, they are in practice with a red jersey on. Yeah, but, in but anyways, that game, though. that's neither here nor there. Dad, <laughs> Dad did his best to make it to every game. Absolutely, and you love that about him. And so we were 
about to play MacArthur, and it was a Saturday game. Josh was a freshman up at Howard Payne. He played that day in Brownwood, and his games were like at noon, 11 o'clock noon, whatever. And so Dad got up early that that morning, drove to Brownwood to go to Josh's game. Mom, I believe, took you and Kelsey up to Fort Worth for one of our cousin's weddings. I don't remember who. I don't care. It's probably Vanessa. It may have been. Still don't care. And uh, so she wasn't going to be at the game. Dad told me the night before, I'm going to try to get back for your game, you know, but I'm going to Brownwood. So kind of upset, you know, whatever. I wasn't having a whole lot of fun my senior year playing football. In fact, I, I was miserable. And so him, him possibly missing that game was, was kind of upsetting because I wanted him there so much just because that was the, that was the only highlight, you know, was, was him being there. And so I go to school. I go to, you know, we go up to Churchill and we're doing, you know, pregame, getting ready, getting our ankles taped, you know, doing all this stuff. And, uh, I remember walking from the, from the locker room in Churchill down to get on the bus, knowing mom and dad wouldn't be there, but I looked for them anyway. And they weren't there. And it upset me. And we get to the, we get to Blossom and unload the bus, go into the locker room, put our pads up. And we go out to the field just to run around, get our feet up under us, you know, not really. There's not really anybody in the stands yet. You know, they're, they're kind of trickling in, but not really. And mom and dad were usually some of the first ones there. For sure. <laughs> and they, they sat in the same area. Uh, Always the, with their seats cushions, with, with their seat cushions, uh, a program. Uh, mom's cool. Mom with her buttons. Mom with her buttons and her cool denim Winston Churchill shirt and her visor. And <laughs> this is, this is not about mother. <laughs> but go out there to run around on the field, get my legs under me, and I look up, and they weren't there. Mm. So it upsets me a little more. You know, get done with that. Go inside, get the pads on, start getting ready. Uh, come out for warm-ups. First thing I do, look up in the stands. They're not there. And now at this point, I'm kind of getting mad, like... For no, for no reason at all. Cause I knew, I knew already. He, if he's going to be here, he's going to be late. Mom, mom wasn't going to be there. And so go through warmups, go back to the, uh, go back to the locker room, listen to the idiot coaches, you know, pep talk. And, uh, we get ready to come out and bust through the paper. And usually I'm at the front of that line. Busting through the paper, running down the sideline, getting ready to, to go. And, uh, when we walked out of the locker room to go behind the paper, looked up one more time, not there. And so I was mad. And so I stood at the back of the paper and I walked to the sideline. Mad. Super mad. Little brat. <laughs> I was, I was, I was acting like a, like a brat that day, but, uh, we kick off, so we're on defense first, and I run out on the field, look up in the stands, not there. I was glutton for punishment because I knew they weren't going to be there that early. And uh, the first series, I remember, we made them go three and out, and I made two tackles. 
And uh, so they punt the ball, and I run off the field. They're still not there, and I just decided to play angry that that, that night. And uh, and so uh, they punt the ball, give give us the ball, and and our offense sucked. So they got the ball back real quick. And before I ran out on the field, I looked up. He's not there, and I'm okay. Cool. I'm gonna continue this little plan. And they had. They had third down, and I made a tackle for a loss to force them to punt. And I decided to get up and just start celebrating. Just going, going nuts, going, going ham. I was going, <laughs> <laughs> I, was going I was jumping around, whatever. And I ran to the sideline, didn't stop, still going, getting, getting crazy. And my coach stops me, grabs me by the, the neck of my jersey. He said, stop doing that. We don't do that. You know, you know, act like you've been here before. <laughs> well, we haven't. We suck. <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> while he's got a hold of my jersey, I look up in the stands and dad's walking in and gives a thumbs up. He saw that play. Hit my coach's hands off. And it wasn't anything that idiot could have said to me to calm me down. And that comes through in the clutch. Dad came through and it was the it was a simple thumbs up approval from dad and had one of my best games that year that night you know a lot of tackles forced fumble but i gave up the winning touchdown we lost my fault don't care (laughs) didn't care you know i was i was still gonna go crazy and uh mom got home that night my plan worked to play angry. My plan worked because mom got home that night and she goes, once I got into, uh, distant, you know, close enough to San Antonio to pick up the radio, the San Antonio radio stations, I put the game on and, uh, it wasn't too long after I turned the game on that they said, you know, we're really impressed with number eight for Churchill playing, playing crazy tonight. Playing, you know, that's great, Adam. And so that was dad making me angry and then coming through, making me angry for no reason. But, you know, dad, you can't, you can't say a no. He put some miles on some vehicles and his body just to, to get to our games. And, oh, just to get to anything. I hope the camera picked up your stomach growling out there. I think it did because I heard it in my earphones. But dad was, dad was, was there when Riley was born. Dad, you know, one thing that I loved was watching, watching dad and Riley go at it. My, my son is probably the biggest trash talking 11, 10 year old, almost 11 year old that I know. And listening to, to him and my dad go at it. My, and, and the crazy thing was, was me and mom would, would gang up on Riley, you know, and he didn't care. He's, he's going to throw his jabs and, and whatever. But dad would come in and take Riley's side. And Riley didn't realize he was, take, <laughs> was taking his side. So Riley would go so hard on dad. So, so Riley would turn around and start trash talking dad. And dad would go, dude, I'm on your side right now. 
And it took Riley a couple of seconds to be like, wait, what did you say? Like, what did you say to me? And dad would repeat the trash talk back to me and mom. And Riley would go, oh, my bad, Popo. (laughs) 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 But, uh, yeah, listening to him talk about basketball or or football or A&M and, you know, the Eagles to dad was was pretty fun because dad would give it right back to him. And, uh, you know, the same, I'm sure, can be said uh, in regards to, to Jim and Gunner and Gentry and Kylie and Caden and uh, Avery and Kaylani. Not so much Mac, because Mac wasn't old enough to talk trash, but I saw Dad hold a little baby. Dad didn't like holding babies. But he did hold Mac. That was like because he had no choice. Mom was doing something. I was doing something. He was like six weeks old, maybe like a little younger, or maybe like a few weeks old. I don't know, but but it didn't matter. No, he enjoyed it. Oh yeah, he loved Mac. He put on the facade of I don't want to hold this baby, but once he got him in his hands, it was he wasn't in a rush to. He loved his Milton Clyde. He wasn't. He wasn't in a rush to to hand him back over. So, no, not really. But you know, he was he was good to his grandchildren. Sure. And uh, Riley now sleeps with his moose named Popo Aww. that uh, that Dad gave him. And uh, you know, he left it. He left it at the hospital the first time he got it. And uh, <clears throat> I remember Dad. Uh, I don't know what he gave it to to these kids for. He gave all the grandkids one. Christmas. Wasn't? It was right at Christmas. And he calls me after we had left and and went home. Uh, Riley left his moose at the hospital. And I don't know if his feelings were hurt. Kind of sounded like it. Probably. I said, oh, man, I'm sorry, dude. That just means we got to come back up, right? So, Dad, Dad enjoyed those hospital visits. It just sucks that. That's that was the setting, you know. We we expected a heart to go, a new heart to go in, and you know, magically, you know, quality of dad's life to to shoot back up. When I think all along, dad was more realistic that he could fall into the, you know, the eight or nine percent chance that it didn't go through, and he was ready. You know, dad. I feel like Dad lived to die. He spent his whole life getting ready. So, so he lived a good life. He did amazing things while he was here. He touched so many people while he was here, and we love him. We still. Lo- yeah, we love him. We miss him. But I think I can speak for you and the other two. And we appreciate him the most. And uh, so with that, we can go ahead and uh, put an end uh, to this episode, episode 11. Y'all make sure uh, to go like and subscribe and share. And for all of those listening right now who knew my dad that uh, you don't think get online and listen to a podcast share this with them if you you know if they knew if they knew my dad
dad and and uh, let them reminisce with us. And uh, until <laughs> my stomach is going nuts. But uh, you know, until next time, uh, we'll see y'all later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.